0: You, finding life pretty dull, dreaming again of exotic places, wishing you were somewhere else, we offer you Escape.
1: Escape. Designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure.
0: Escape with us now to the year 100,080 and a world where beauty and terror live side by side, as H.G. Wells describes it in his immortal story, The Time Machine.
2: Dudley, you must be mad. A time machine. Yes, my friend, a time machine. This, this thing. This very thing. This contraption, this framework made of quartz and bronze and ivory, with its levers and its dials and its seat in the middle, this is the result of three years' hard work. I promise you, Fala, that on this machine a man can go wherever he likes in time. By working these levers, a man can choose his century, his year, his very day. Oh, really, old man. Time is only a kind of space. If we can move about in all the other dimensions of space, why not in time, too? It's impossible. Out of the question. Well, what are the journeys I've already taken on this little contraption? I'm afraid you've been having a bad dream. You mean I've developed into a liar. Very well. You shall have proof, my friend. How? Just climb on, Fowler. Sit in the seat beside me, face these ivory dials, and I'll take you for a little spin. Well, you you mean right now? Right now. I want to just... In case this thing should take off like the flying red horse, are there any... um, Any preparations? Uh... No, Fowler, no. You won't need any luggage on this trip, not even a toothbrush. You'll be back here in my laboratory in less than a minute all right i'm on now what hold it tight it sways a good deal i'd hate to lose you <laughs> i can't be frightened dudley then you're braver than i am tell me what time is it it's um, just 12 noon before we start i want to adjust this control a bit hmm. is uh, is everything ship shape um, did you notice anything just then? Only a noise, a humming noise, nothing else. And what time is it? You just asked me, old man, it's tw. Well, that's odd. What? My watch says eleven o'clock. I could have sworn it was noon a moment ago. There must be something wrong with it's it. It's only that I touched the lever to you- test it, and we've gone forward a full day. Twenty-three hours, at any rate. Yes, but but Dudley. Finished scoffing, Fowler? yes yes i believe i have then hold tight this will be the real article i'm ready dudley good man well then. say goodbye father say goodbye to 1950. he went off with a shattering jar with machines swaying under us the walls of dr dudley's laboratory suddenly fell away night was speeding after day like the flapping of a black wing. I saw the sun hopping across the sky, leaping swiftly across it every second, and every second marking a day. I saw the moon spinning through her quarters like a ball from new to full, all in the twinkling of an eye. Trees grew and blossomed like puffs of smoke, and then passed away, and all the while we were going faster. Now our pace was a year a second, so that second by second the white snow flashed across the world and was followed by the bright, brief spring. And still we went on, into the future.
1: How do you feel, Fowler? Very weak, very dizzy. Oh, let go, don't fall off. Where are we? How far have
2: we come? We're in 100,050, and and 60, and 70. That's enough. Stop it, Dudley, I can't stand anymore. Stop it!
3: How long? You
2: all right? Yes, I... I believe so. No broken bones. What happened? Not sure. Must have stopped too suddenly. Where are we, Dudley? Look around for yourself. A wide lawn. Beautiful, vast garden. No, I'm, I meant geographically. Just where we were when we started. Where my laboratory stood 100,000 years ago. And the year, Dudley? What is the year now? One hundred thousand and eighty. It seemed absolutely incredible. A dream, but a pleasant one, for the garden in which we found ourselves was beautiful and summery, with an unexpected perfume about it, almost like platine, At some distance, we could see a large and imposing building, and everything was was quiet and peaceful, but almost too much so. And the sense of strangeness, of incredible strangeness, sent a shiver up my spine. One hundred thousand and eighty. Farlan, do you want to go back? Yeah, yes, I rather think I do. Let's go back. Dudley. From over there, in the bushes. It sounded human. Come on. Why, yeah. hey. it's a child. Seems to be a very small girl. There's been a beast here of some kind struggle with the look of uh, the marks in her yes. arms. Now, my dear, you'll be all right now. You won't be harmed. Of course, you won't understand English. Motioning us to go with her. Yeah. What about the animal? Did you see it? No, not a glimpse. Too fast for us. Perhaps we'd better go back, Dudley. The girl seems to be all right now. Leave her like this? Yes, yes, I've had enough. Well, they haven't, old man. Because they're here. All around us. They had crept up on soundless feet to surround us. The little people of this era. And the girl we'd saved was not a child but a full-grown woman. For well, they all stood four feet high, dressed in simple tunics, beautiful creatures, but terribly frail, with a plump, soft kind of frailty. They were like eerie figures in a dream, and all we could hear was the rustling of their clothes as they surged happily around us, their faces weaved in smiles. Why, why they're not savage at all. They're very loving and gentle little people. Yes. There's something terribly wrong with them. How do you mean? seem to have the minds of five-year-olds. How do you expect them to be? Far ahead of us, of course. Incredibly ahead of us in knowledge and in science. Look at them. Children. They seem happy in this huge garden of theirs. Uh, Dudley, (laughs) I've changed my mind. Let's stay. Maybe we shall enjoy spending a few days with our little friends. The little people led us home into their valley. They lived in colossal buildings, sleeping all together in one huge hall, eating in another, playing and frolicking together in the sunshine. And we lived with them for days in utter contentment. One afternoon, Dudley and I walked along the banks of the great river. little people all wear the same clothes, the same soft, hairless skin, same feminine roundness of limbs. I wonder if it's because they're vegetarians. They're vegetarians because they have
1: to be. You haven't run across any horses or dogs, cattle of any kind, have you?
2: No, now that you mention it. With good reason.
1: All extinct by now. Just as
2: the dinosaur is with us. Dudley, there's something strange here. Something hidden away and silent here in the year 100,080. Felt the same way. I've taken the precaution of removing the control levers of the time machine, putting a master padlock on the main switches. Oh. Not much fancy, the idea of someone riding away with it into another century and leaving us here for the rest of our lives. Uh, Dudley, do you know where we are? Uh, yes, this is where we landed. I thought so. I wasn't sure. Why did you ask? What's happened to the machine? What? Huh? They've taken it away. They've stolen it. This is where it was. It's right here. Look. Follow the tracks. Here, where they've dragged it. Over here. Yes. Come along. Down this path. Look. Right there. The monument. There's a brass door's in the base. Uh, oh, oh, they're locked. The machine. It, it must be in there. Yes. Inside. We must get it. Break down the door. How? Oh, how can we? Here. Use the levers. All right. Try. It's, right. it's more. <coughs> No, it's, it's uh, no good, Dudley. They're solid. We'll never break through. Never. No. Never. We can't stay here all our lives. Do we never go home <laughs> again? <laughs> <laughs> again. You must open the machine. No, no. Time machine. <laughs>
1: The laughs that Red Skelton and Amos and Andy bring to CBS on Sunday nights are doubled, tripled, and quadrupled because of the friends, relatives, and strange acquaintances they bring with them. Hardly a Sunday night goes by, but you meet Shorty, the Kingfish, Sapphire, and a whole host of Amos and Andy funny friends. Red Skelton generously gives time to Willie, Clam, and the rest of his laugh-provoking pals. You're invited to meet them all again tonight on most of these same stations when Red Skelton and his gang and Amos and Andy and their friends pack the house with mirth That's CBS, The Star's Address. And now we return you to Escape.
2: We were caught in the year 100,018, the time machine was gone. The brass doors of the monument held. Our retreat was cut off, the thin line by which we could make our way back home, back to our own time and our own people, back to 1950. We had no way of communicating with the little people, of asking what they had done with the machine or, or how to get it back. There was nothing hostile in their attitude. They were more like simple, wandering children. Only one... The young woman, Weena, whose life we had saved on our first day had become really friendly. She went with us wherever we walked, brought us presents of garlands, of flowers, slept near us at night in the hall, and we in turn had taught her a few words of English. Now we redoubled our efforts, like men racing against a clock, so that we might speak to her and discover the secret of our immense loss. We were talking to her one night after the others had gone to sleep. No,
4: not these Dudley, no.
2: How can you be so sure your people didn't steal the machine? Aren't there any thieves among them? Are they all perfect? No, 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 mm-hmm. Not so loud, Dudley. You oh. wake them. Besides, she doesn't understand. The thief must be sleeping somewhere in this hall. Weena, they take machine.
4: No, Dudley, no. Who
2: then? Who? Uh, we, we are our friends.
4: Yes.
2: We must have machine.
4: Yes. Dudley? yes.
2: Who took machine? Other people, not yours.
4: Arthur.
2: Um, what about those doors, Weena? Uh, doors open. No, no. Weena, machine in in there. Must open. No, no, not open. Go to sleep, get some rest.
4: Yes, Dudley. Sleep.
2: What's to become of us, Fowler? Are we caught here in this century? We spend our lives with the little people and their secret. We'll go back to the monument tomorrow. We'll find a way of breaking in. Good night, Dudley. Dudley. Yeah. Did you just. There it was again. What? Something. On my face. Huh? Cold. Filthy to the touch. On my face and in my hair. As cold as death. Dudley! Oh. You're right. There's something in here with us. Ah. Smells of the grave. What was it? I don't know. But look at them. Look at the little people. They're all awake. It's as though they've been stampeded. Let's get out of here. I want some fresh air. We went quickly through the hall and outside, away from the frantic rustling of the little people. The moon was full, just overhead, and it was close to dawning. There was a faint sound speeding close behind us, and we turned, our nerves ragged, our muscles tensed. But it was only Weena coming swiftly to join us. Dudley,
4: I'm afraid. Then there is something.
2: What do you mean, Weena? Dark? What?
4: Dark thing. Dark place. Night.
2: Why should they be afraid of the night, Dudley? It's not the night alone. Dark place, that's our cube. Perhaps it's something underground. It was another day. We had wandered into a lovely wooded place about a mile from the community. And suddenly, Weena screamed. Ah, Father. We stopped short. A pair of glaring eyes were fixed upon us. As we stood there, petrified the thing, a little ape-like figure, rushed across our path and disappeared in the clearing about 30 yards away. What was it? I couldn't see it too well. It seemed to be a dull white with white hair on its head and down its back. It looked like a small it ape. It was running on all fours. Oh, with its arms held very low. Weena, weena, what was it?
4: Morlocks. they
2: Morlocks. Who are the Morlocks? What are they? Weena, tell me. No. No. Let's go over there and see where it disappeared. Come along, father. <laughs> In the clearing, we found a round, well-like opening. Dudley and I leaned over and looked down a deep shaft. A small, white creature was retreating down a ladder in the well, like a human spider, its large, bright eyes watching me as it went swiftly down. Then it disappeared in the shaft. Fowler, did you see it? Like an ape. Yes, but also like a man. So there are two species of men in this world. Yes, the little people above the ground and this obscene thing, this bleached monster below. That white look, common to animals that live in the dark. Like huge rats, like worms that are cold to the touch. I know, because they've touched Father, me. you can feel the air being sucked down into this shaft. Yes. The earth must be tunneled enormously here under our feet. These monsters must live in the tunnels. I think we know now who stole our time machine. Yes. Then... Then we'll go down and have a look.
0: No, no, not go. Why not, Dwyna? Morlocks,
4: you never come back.
2: We must have our machine, my dear. You wait for us here. No, no. And so we went down, our heels ringing on the small metallic bars that were meant for creatures so much smaller than us. Down we climbed. Down. Down. Ever in darkness... Down, it seemed, into the center of the earth, into the core of the world. How much longer? Won't know until we reach bottom. Can't be much further. Do you hear that? Like machinery. We're almost there. Uh, well, thank heaven for that. All right, Father, I'm on the bottom. Come along just a few more steps. Uh, give me your hand, Father. Uh, good. Here. good. We're here. It's in the land of the Morlocks. Do you have a match? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Here. Seems to be a large vaulted cavern at the end of this passage. Huh. What do you uh, suppose they'll do if they catch us? I've no idea. Let it take care not to be caught. Ah, another match. That, that throbbing noise. Probably their ventilating system pumping the air down. There must be thousands upon thousands of these Morlocks living under the earth. We haven't seen any yet except for our friend who came down ahead of us. Why Why do you suppose they wanted our time machine? I think they wanted us, not the machine and we've come to them. We must. It's our only chance. Fowler, if that noise does come from air pumps... Yeah? Why is it so stuffy here, so oppressive? Dudley. What's that smell? Blood. Light another match. (laughs) Dudley. Look. Straight ahead. On the white metal table. Set for a meal, yes. With a small haunch. Meat. We know that the cattle are extinct. Then, what do they feed on, the, these Morlocks? Don't you know? Yes, I know. Oh, another match. Yes, I, uh, Oh, Dudley, I have no more. I've used our last match. Oh. All right,
1: we'll have to go
2: back then. We know the secret now, anyway. These Morlocks living here, underground, are the masters of this age. And our friends up above, fatted cattle, fed by the Morlocks, clothed, supplied, and housed until the day when, when they're cut out of the herd and brought underground as food. This is the future you're looking at. This is what we men of the 20th century shall come to. Dudley! What is it? I felt hands, cold hips. Take one of these levers. Yes, give it. Use it as a weapon. Yes. Lash out! Against <laughs> this wall, Fowler here beside me. And they're moving in. Fight them! Use the lever, man, use the lever! Dudley, oh, they're all around us. This way! Fowler <laughs> this way, back this way! We went back in that evil darkness, fighting every step as we went. my side, Back to those projecting bars, kicking and clawing ourselves loose from their pallid, grasping hands. And climbing up again, up toward daylight and freedom. Away from their stench and the eagerness of their icy hands. And they did not follow, for daylight was their enemy, and their great fear... And we lived among the lush gardens of the little people like prisoners. Like men without reprieve. Like men who are dead, though they still walk the earth. For the time machine was locked away behind great brass doors. And we knew we could never force them open. Then one day... Wiener told us of an old building, an ancient sagging structure that had survived through many ages and was filled with many curious objects. A museum, that's what it must be, a museum, Fowler. Perhaps from some earlier time. I'm in no mood to go looking at a museum. Don't you see? What? Specimens hermetically sealed in museums. Perhaps there are things, weapons, machinery, something we can use. Yes, yes, of course. If we could find some dynamite or gunpowder or something. We could blast those doors. We could get in. Um, Where is this place, Weena? Uh, This this old building that no one ever goes near? I take you, it's not far. A chance, old man. A slim one, but a chance nonetheless. All day we wandered through the great ruined halls. The building had been deserted, unused for perhaps a century. The childlike men of that time had long since ceased to care about anything but their own personal comforts. It was late afternoon and growing dark when we came upon the chemical section. We had found nothing useful to us until then, and now came the worst disappointment of all. And it's dust, all of it. Been dust for centuries. Another dead end. Ah, it's hopeless. We were out of our heads to hope that nitrates would retain their form for a hundred thousand years.
4: We go now? If nothing here.
2: Oh, wait just a moment. Something in this case. You can break it with your lever. Stand back a little. (laughs) Box of matches. Hermetically sealed. Wait, let me see. Well, they're perfect. But well, they're not even damp. What shall we do with them? Burn down those brass doors? Oh, you'd better keep them. You can, can't tell... Paula. What? On the floor, you see them? Small, narrow footprints leading away into the darkness at the end of this gallery. Dudley! Uh, we'd better go. Pick Queen up and carry her. We'll have to run for us. <laughs> uh, don't be frightened, my dear. It'll be all right. Go on, run! We came out of the gloom of that place, into the deeper gloom of dusk. And suddenly we saw... We were trapped. All around us were the Morlocks. They were there by the thousand, surrounding us, and coming closer in the long, even line of deathly fight, their eyes blinking in the half-light, their tiny mouths alive with appetite.
3: Allah uh, the matches! I had them dipped like a fire. Here, please. Here.
2: Hurry, man, the forest is dry. Hurry, Hurry, man.
5: We'll have an inferno here in a minute. Our little friends don't like light, light or heat.
2: The fire leaped high to the heavens, and the countryside was ablaze. The Morlocks turned in fear, blinded by the glare. Some of them blundered into the middle of the raging flames, and the rest faded away like a fog. Dudley had left a narrow passageway for our retreat, and we fled down a long corridor of leaping flames and blistering heat. We fled to safety toward the community of the little people. As we ran, we passed the huge monument with its great bronze doors that were locked tight in our time machine. And suddenly, in the glare of the distant fires, we saw something that stopped us short. They're open, Fowler. the doors are open. No, no, not go in, Dudley, no. It's a trap. They're there waiting for us inside. Waiting or not, we're going in. Dudley, it's suicide. It'll take me one minute to screw the levers on again, then I touch them and we're away. All right, I'll try to give you your one minute. Good boy. No,
4: no, go, not leave me. No,
2: you, you, my dear, you hold tight around my neck. You're coming home with us. Mm. All right, Mm. all right, let's go. Willing. i'll look to the machine oh. they haven't harmed it i don't see them yet come on now quickly the door is The uh, they're closed get in the seat i'll be ready in a moment oh. i waited for the hum that would signal our departure and there in the darkness the morlocks were finally upon us cold persistent fingers swarmed over my body tugging at me sucking me away from the machine I held tight to Wiener as a man holds fast to life. Tried to kick them away with my feet. No, no, no. Hurry, dandy, hurry, Dudley! Hurry! to get these levers quickly, or we're done. One more turn, and it's oh. it. Oh. There, follow! We're away! We're gone! Yes, yes, we made it. Oh. Are
1: you all right?
2: I'm all right, God. And Wiener? Winna, isn't with us. What happened? They tore her from my hands at the last minute. They got her. I tried to save her, but I couldn't. I still have a piece of her tunic here in my fist. A little piece of her tunic, Dudley. Nothing else. And so we came home again, back into the very minute from which we had left, back into 12 noon, October 22nd, 1950. We were in Dudley's laboratory again, motionless, sitting on the ridiculous contraption which he has called a time machine. Was it all a dream? Did any of it happen? Could any of it happen? Oh, of course not. How stupid. Then what of this? What of this little piece of thin green silk I hold in my hand? <laughs>
1: Escape is produced and directed by Norman MacDonald. Today, we have brought you The Time Machine by H.G. Wells, adapted for radio by Irving Ravitch, and starring John Daner as Fowler and Larry Dobkin as Dudley, with Georgia Ellis as Weena. The special music for Escape was arranged and played by Ivan Dittmars
0: Next week, escape with us to a small fishing boat off the California coast at a night of terror and death at the hands of a brilliant madman as Bud A. Nelson tells it in his exciting story, Seven Hours to Freedom.
1: Hollywood star Dick Powell plays Paul Revere and takes Charlie McCarthy with him on his historic ride tonight on CBS. Charlie's flunked his history course, so Bergen has asked Dick Powell to help him out. The historic ride becomes hysteric as Charlie, Bergen, and Dick try to reenact the famous ride. Listen tonight on most of these same CBS stations. Stay tuned now for Make-Believe Town. This is Roy Rowan speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
6: and wealthy young man about town. The shadow uses his hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so that they cannot see him. Franston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the unseen voice of the shadow belongs. Today's story, The Stockings Were Hung. This is a story of Christmas time in a great city. Tonight with Margot Lane and Lamont Franston. We look in on the lives of the Grover family.
3: Get out of here.
5: Get out. You'll not get a cent of pay from me, Mr. Grover. Simon Jordan, you know my wife's dead and I have two
7: children. And it's Christmas. I've got get to. Get out. Get
5: out before
7: I...
6: It's Christmas time in a great city. As our scene opens, we find Margot and Lamont coming down on the elevator from Margot's apartment. Well, here's where we get
4: out,
7: Margot. Where now?
4: Over to the club, Lamont, to pick up a Christmas basket of food to deliver. Good. Oh, look, Lamont, it's snowing. What do you think of Mm.
7: that?
4: I want to stop at the corner and see my friend Spike.
8: Spike?
4: Yes, Spike Grover. He's a newsboy. I always buy my papers
8: papers. from
9: There's
4: Spike on the corner. Mm.
8: Busy little man, isn't he?
4: (laughs) I always give him $5 for Christmas.
7: In spite of all you've said about organized charity, giving one isolated newsboy $5. But, Lamont,
9: this is different. Get your papers. I should say it is different. It isn't even Spike. Paper, mister?
7: Paper? Uh, yes. the young lady would like a paper to cover her new hat. If you can call that Christmas tree ornament a hat.
9: Where's Spike Grover? Uh, Spike's got family trouble. He's a pal of mine, Spike is. Tells me everything. He knows I can keep a secret. Family trouble? Well, it's very confidential. You see, Spike and his sister, Janie, you see, they haven't got any mother. They only got a father. And you see, I don't tell anybody, but Spike's grandfather owned the Grover importing company.
7: Uh,
6: whoa, a... whoa, wait,
7: wait a minute. <laughs> You're way ahead of me.
9: Now, look. Spike's grandfather owned the Grover importing business. And Spike's name is Grover. So Spike and his father should own the Grover importing business. And well, it seems there's a fellow named Jordan worked for Spike's grandfather. And the way I figure it, this fellow Jordan, put the snatch on the whole business. Did what? Lady, you wouldn't understand. I was just telling this gentleman here. As far as I can figure, this old miser named Jordan steals the whole business right out from under Spike's father's nose. So a couple of days ago, Jordan fired Spike's father from his own business lunch. Ain't that awful? But where is Spike?
7: And where's his father? Lady, if
9: I know that, I'd tell Spike. Well, where does he live?
7: He lives in the old house down
9: on South and 7th Street.
7: Uh, what's your name, son?
9: They call me Gabby. But you know, I could <laughs> never figure out why. Nope. <laughs> well,
7: uh, uh, Gabby, uh, here's a Christmas present for you.
9: Oh, thanks. Gee, thanks, mister. Merry Christmas, Gabby. And the same to you, lady.
7: Bye. Well, you go over to your club and pick up the Christmas basket, Margo. I think I'll go down and see Spike and family. I'll pick you up at the club, Margo. Cab.
3: You want a cab, mister? You want a cab?
7: Yes. Uh, take me to South and 7th Street,
3: please. South and 7th Street. yes. Yeah, South and 7th Street.
7: Thanks. Oh, uh, by the way, I want to stop at a pet shop on the way. Do You know a good one nearby?
3: Well, I don't know where that, there's one. At, oh, yeah, I do know where there's one on the next block, that is.
7: Well, that's where we're going, then. <laughs> oh, driver, are you uh, busy tonight?
3: Yeah, yeah, I got to drive this cab. Ain't it awful, ain't it?
7: <laughs> that's what I mean. That's what I... <laughs> you've got me doing it. Doing what? Uh, hiring the cab for tonight. You mean it? Sure.
3: Gee, Santa Claus. I didn't know you without out them whiskers. <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke. Hey, that's a pet shot, mister. There it is. Well,
7: that's fine. Thanks. Uh, what's your name? Louis. Well, come on, Louis. Let's buy a pup.
3: Buy a pup, huh? Buy a pup, oh boy. Hey, the red one in the window? Sold,
7: Louis. Sold. Oh, that's a cute
3: pup. That's a cute pup. All right.
7: How much is the red set of pup in the window? Oh, that's a very fine animal. Uh $35. Fine. Wrap it up. I, I beg your pardon? Put it in the cardboard carton with some holes in it. And we'll take it with us. Very good, sir. the way, you'll take the pup in front, see? It's a surprise for a young lady will pick up later.
3: She mustn't know about it. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Say, but suppose it begins to bark a wine or something. Well, if she asks what it is, you just tell her a uh, uh, box of books. Yeah, 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 that's smart. That's... But wait a minute. What kind of books am I gonna say if it starts to bark? Oh, that's easy. You just cough for sneeze. Believe me, mister. If you didn't want this hack for the evening, I'd tell you it sounds a little screwy to me, I tell hey, you. Here's your dog, sir. Fine animal indeed. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs>
7: Louis, sneeze. Huh? Sneeze. <laughs> oh. Good night. <laughs> 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 Thanks. Great, Louis, great. Take the box of books now. We're off to South and Seventh Street. <laughs>
4: Mother would be very mad if I didn't make these cookies just perfect for Daddy. Let me see. Here it is. Mother's recipe for Christmas cookies. One and a quarter cups of flour. I've got that. One and a half teaspoons of vanilla. Maybe nobody knows if there's no vanilla in them. One third cup of sugar. One egg. And one half cup of butter. One half cup of butter. I haven't even got half of a half a cup of butter. Oh, I wanted so much to surprise Danny.
7: Well, that's no way to feel on Christmas Eve.
4: What's
7: the matter, Jamie?
4: I haven't got hardly any butter.
7: Well, we'll take care of that in a minute, Jamie. But I came here looking for your brother Kingsley.
4: But I don't know where my brother is because. He's looking for my father, and I don't know where my father is. Daddy hasn't been home for two whole days.
7: Oh, easy, Janie.
4: Well, Kingsley says Daddy will be home for Christmas.
7: I'm sure he will.
4: But now Kingsley's born, I haven't any butter, and Mother always makes such good Christmas cookies. Well,
7: now look, Janie, I think this will give you all the butter you want and anything else you might need for your Christmas cookies. $5? You can't expect me to find your father in Kingsley if you don't have Christmas cookies ready for them when they come home.
4: Will you really bring them home?
7: I'll try, Jeanie. I'll try.
3: Hey, hey, is this where we picked the young lady up?
7: Yes, Louie. And don't forget, that's a box of books you have in front and not a dog. And don't forget, if he barks, you sneeze. Okay, okay. <laughs> Well, there's Miss Lane now. Oh, Margo, been waiting long?
9: Oh, no, no, Lamont. Whew, I just
4: piled the snow on my best hat so I look like the spirit of Christmas. Uh,
3: oh, the on sight.
7: Uh, d- uh, did you deliver your last basket? Uh, yes.
3: What's that package you have in front, driver? Oh, I got a, ah, ah, a, a... A box of books, I got a box of books.
7: Oh. Well, I thought you'd never get here. The south and 7th Street, Louie. Uh, that's Spike's house, Margo. Uh, you wait here, Louie.
3: Yeah, sure, boss,
7: sure, sure. There, uh, Marco, this is Spike's
3: house. That's Let's go in and see Jamie, it. huh? Oh, good, I want to meet her. Lamar, <laughs> look, those two boys are mine. fighting. And that smaller
4: boy
9: is fighting.
7: It is? Hey, you youngsters. Like go
9: on that tree, it's mine. Stop picking on him, you big bully. Oh, scram. See, hey, Miss Lane, I found this tree. You did not. Come
7: on, you young hoodlums. It's my tree. Hey, now, wait you. a minute, one at a time. I
9: saw it in the gutter. Listen,
7: young man. I suggest that you run along and let Spike have his tree. Who's
9: going to make me? Why,
7: you young rab oh, Lamont,
9: remember, peace on earth. I'll get you, Spike, when you haven't got your gang with you. <laughs> <laughs> what a piece of
4: the society column. The well known clubman, Lamont Cranston, seen brawling, Ow! <laughs> Why, that he hit me with a snowball. Remember, I... Margo?
7: Peace on earth. Well, if
4: you were half a man, you'd do something about it.
7: Never let it be said. Well,
4: here, you're not going to throw a snowball at him.
7: It wouldn't look well if I shot him, would it?
9: Why, what a waste! out! Who do you think you are, Lefty Gomez or something? I'll get you, Spike. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mister, and
8: it isn't even a good Christmas tree. Oh, Spike, it's a beautiful tree. It hasn't got many needles, but has, you got to have a Christmas tree when you got a girl in the house.
7: You're right, Kingsley.
8: Kingsley, have you been talking to my sister? Yes. Nothing's happened to my dad yet, has it?
7: Why, of course not. We know your dad's missing, so we just came down to help.
8: Have you any idea where your father is, Spike? Oh, you He'll show up.
7: Have you been to the place where he works?
8: Where he used to work. That old skinflint, Mr. Jordan, won't let him work there anymore.
7: I see. Have you asked the police for help?
8: Well, that's just the trouble, Mr. Cranston. I can't. Why not, Spice? Oh, it's, it's kind of private. I... Well, here,
4: you must tell us or we won't be able to help you.
8: Well, all right. I went there yesterday and Mr. Jordan said he hadn't seen Dad. And, and when he did, he was going to have him thrown in jail. What? Yeah, Mr. Jordan said my dad did something to the books or something and that he was a, a thief. My dad wouldn't do anything like that.
7: I'm sure he wouldn't, Spike.
8: Betty wouldn't, especially because that business really belongs to him and it's supposed to belong to me someday when I get big. If anybody's a thief, it's that old skin Mr. Jordan.
7: Now, look, Spike. The first thing we've got to do is to find your father. Yeah. The best thing to do is to get the police to help us. Oh,
8: but maybe they'll arrest him.
7: But you and I both know that your dad didn't do anything wrong.
8: Yeah, that's right. Maybe they can find him, huh? Maybe they can find him.
7: sure they can. You tell me what he looks like. Then you and Miss Lane go in the house, and I'll go to police headquarters. Good evening, Sergeant Murphy.
6: Well, well. Season's greetings to you, Mr. Cranston.
7: Same to you. Uh, Sergeant, uh, Kingsley Grover Sr. has been missing for two days. Uh, Tell me what he looks like, and we'll start looking. His son Spike told me that he was five feet ten, weighed about hundred and sixty-five, was wearing a brown overcoat. Calling all cars! Calling all cars! Missing since last Friday. Kingsley Grover, senior. Height five feet ten. Harbor patrol. This is headquarters. We're looking for Kingsley Grover, senior. Height five feet ten. Weight. Careful. Headquarters Colin. Merry Christmas. Have you got a stiff on ice, about 5 feet 10. Wait 100.
3: Hello, Louie. Hello, Mr. Cranston. Did you find out anything about Spike's old man at police headquarters?
7: No, not yet. Miss Lane's still in the house.
3: Yeah, yeah, she's there with Spike and his sister. Say, the dog's all right. <laughs> I didn't have to sneeze or nothing. He was so quiet, I thought he was froze or something. So I put my hand inside the box. You know what happened? No. He bit my finger. (laughs) He's a card, all right. He's a card.
7: (laughs) Keep up the good work, Louis. I'm going in the house.
3: Okay, boss. Okay.
8: Hello, everybody. Oh, we're out here. We're going a long time, Mr. Cranston. The police find him?
7: They'll get him soon, Spike. Don't be impatient now.
8: No, I won't be impatient. Say. Would it be bad if you and Miss Lane went into the other room for a minute? I want to talk to my sister. Do you mind? No, of course not, Spike. Come on with me, Lamar. it will only be a second.
7: Take your time, Spike.
8: Look at Jamie. We'll find him in time for Christmas.
6: And still the search for Spike's father goes on. The machine of the police looking, looking everywhere... Hours pass, and no word. Now we find Kingsley going up to old Mr. Jordan's office.
8: Mr. Jordan! Who is it? Ah.
5: Oh, it's you, is it? Get out of here!
8: Please tell me where my father is. I
5: don't know where that thieving father of yours is if I did. He's not
8: a thief. If anybody's a thief, you are. You shut your lying dirty mouth. You stole my father's business. He should be here, not you. I'll
5: flash you within an inch of your life, you little gutter shite
8: Get that oh, 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 please don't hit me with that chain again, please. Uh,
5: you don't like that, eh? And that.
8: Oh, please stop it! On, get out. Get
4: out. Oh, Mike, what's the matter? Henry, you're hurt. You poor
7: kid. How did you get that red welt across your cheek?
4: Mr. Dorton hit me with his cane. Oh, you poor child. Come here, I'll wash it out.
7: Uh, now we have to plan what we're going to do. Yeah. Have you any suggestions, Spike?
8: Only one, Mr. Cranston. What's that? Well, it sounds, it, it sounds kind of silly, maybe, even to try it. But, you see, Dad and me, I, I mean, Dad and I, we always used to walk up the avenue on Christmas Eve.
9: Oh, it oh, sings a little louder.
8: Well, anyway, we'd look in the store windows and we'd see what we'd buy for ourselves and Janie and Mother once she was alive. We had all the money we wanted. I thought I'd walk up the avenue tonight. Well, I guess it sounds kind of silly, but I I would like to.
7: That's a wonderful idea, Kingsley. And, Margot. Yes, Margot. Why don't you go along and take a pencil and paper and write down all the things Spike would like for himself and his sister? I never did that. No? just think what fun you'd have. Take talking it over with Janie afterwards if you had a list.
8: Gee, that's right. Let's go. Oh, and you know, we might even run into Dad. Sure you might. Uh, aren't you coming with us, Mr. Cranston?
7: Yes, of course. I, I'll join you on the avenue. But uh, first, I want to get to police station again and check up.
8: Oh, Janey, yes, Henry, you better stay here and watch those cookies don't burn again. All
7: right. I'll be with you in a little while.
5: I can close the books for the night. I've mm. oh, had a good year. Who's there? Hmm, no one. Yeah, I guess I'll give myself a Christmas present of a new latch for the door. That Grover brat must have left it open. He's too smart, that boy. Yeah, you don't have to worry about any Grovers ever again, Simon Jordan. <laughs> Simon Jordan. Ah, that's going to look fine in new gilt letters on the door instead of Grover's important company. Hey, uh-huh, you're pretty slick, Simon Jordan. <laughs> These books are fixed so cleverly that even the Supreme Court couldn't tell that Simon Jordan didn't own this company. <laughs>
8: <laughs>
7: hey, and what was that? Who said that? No one said anything, Simon Jordan. I was just enjoying your joke with you. Now where are you?
5: I can hear your voice.
7: Of course you can hear my voice, Simon Jordan. But you can't see me. I'm in the shadows. The shadows of your mind. Go away. Go away from me. I thought you might be lonely. No, oh, no, I'm not. Go on. Go away. I came to ask you about the Grovers. Eh? Hey? What do you
5: know about the Grovers?
7: Enough, Simon Jordan. Enough to know that your altered books would not fool the Supreme Court. Eh? Hey? You're... You're... Not a
5: spirit, are you?
7: In a sense, yes. I try to represent the spirit of honesty and justice. And when Simon Jordan beats a child with his cane, steals from the father of that child like a low-sneaking thief, then I must talk to Simon Jordan. I am not a thief. No. I should not disgrace thieves by calling you one of them. Eh? You're a man too mean to be a thief, Jordan. Yeah. What do you want from this world?
5: None of your business what I want.
7: I'll tell you. You want money. Nothing but money. Eh? I feel sorry for you, Simon. Oh. I'm going to go now. But I want to leave one thought with you. Eh? You're an old man. You don't have much longer to live. What? All your life's work is your money. It's rather an empty victory, isn't it? You're alone in the world. Your money doesn't do anyone any good, Simon Jordan. Eh? but you can rest easy in your shriveled soul because the grovers will be taken care of. The shadow will take care of them. The shadow.
3: There they are, Louis.
7: It's up here. Margot, Spike, hello.
8: Hello there, Lamont.
7: I thought I'd never pick you up.
8: We're beginning to worry, too. Down at the police
7: station? Well, not much news yet, Spike. But they've got a couple of leads that might amount to something.
8: That's yeah,
7: good. Are you pretty near the end of your Christmas Eve walk, Spike?
8: We've got one more stop. Pop and me always stopped in here at the cathedral, you know, just to get out of the cold for a minute. You don't have to be afraid. They'll let you in.
7: If you take us, they will, Spike.
8: Up these steps. Come on, I didn't know there were as many windows in town. I'm dead. I've got a list of presents as long as Oh, arm. Hey, don't slip, Miss Lane.
7: I hope you've got a preferred list.
8: Oh, I have. Here, in here. Why this door is heavy? Oh. We can stand back here and
7: listen. All right, Spike.
8: Look, the that poor man over in the corner. Yes. Mister Craster, it's my dad. What? It's my dad. Daddy, Dad, speak to me, please. You won't speak to me. Mister Grover, <laughs> Mister hmm?
7: Grover, this is your son. Don't you know him? Yes. I can't remember, oh. Margot. This man has been hurt.
8: Let's get him outside,
7: Lamont. Do you remember your name, sir? Gee,
8: there's something wrong with him.
7: My name? You must try to remember. Truck, skidding, hit me, Oh. Why did you come to the cathedral tonight? It's uh, Christmas Eve. Always come here. Who is we? I... I can't remember...
3: Now, Louie, Miss Lane leaves some packages with you? Did she leave some packages? Did she leave some? She dumped them in the back of the hack and went to the kids. He, uh, Spike, I mean, was talking all the way down about your father's old man. Is that the kid's old man with you?
7: Yes, he's in pretty good shape now. Oh, gee,
3: that's the nuts. That certainly is.
7: Now, Louie, don't forget to bring in those packages when I call you.
3: All right now, Mr. Grover. just Lean on me. You're
7: still a little bit shaky. Yeah, I know it. Now, watch this, Dan. I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, you're fine now. All right, you go first. Merry Christmas, children.
8: Daddy! <laughs>
7: how is the lady of the house?
8: Oh, just wonderful now that you're here. Oh, Daddy. And I make Christmas cooking, too.
7: Fine, fine. And how about you, young man? How have you been behaving?
8: I've been getting along all right.
7: Hey, where did you get that nasty welt across your cheek? You haven't been in a fight, have you, son?
8: Oh, I'll go. Oh, no, sir. It was only an accident. Mr.
5: Mr. Jordan. Jordan. What are you doing here? I... Uh... I came to speak on a matter of business. I don't believe this is the occasion for a business discussion. Oh, I think it is, Mr. Grover. In going over the books tonight, I found that a great and terrible mistake has been made. Huh? The Grover importing company has been making more money than I thought. And over half of it is rightfully yours as partner in the company. Partner? Yes. Part owner. And I hope you will find it within your heart to forget any misunderstandings we may have had and that you'll take over the responsibilities of partnership immediately. Yes, yes, that's all I've got to say. Good night, and uh, uh, Merry Christmas to you all.
6: Oh, how can such an awful old man say such beautiful things?
7: Well, we haven't time to talk about whether he's awful or not. We have things to do. Louie! Oh,
3: you don't have to yell, you don't have to yell. I'm right here, I'm right here. Uh, I got all the stuff right with me.
7: Good, bring it right in.
8: Look, presents. Are they for us?
7: Oh, quiet, Janie. Of course they're not. But
8: they are, Kingsley. Oh, don't kid me, Mr. Cranston. You're not getting fired.
7: I don't know how I can ever repay you for what you, Miss Lane, and Mr. Cranston have done tonight. We've been more than repaid, I assure you. Uh, Louis, don't, don't, don't bring that in here. I didn't tell you I wanted you to bring oh, that in.
3: it was my own idea, and I'm not even going to have to sneeze. <laughs> Oh, I dropped them. Oh, Lamont, you're a darling.
9: Did you get that puppy?
7: Well, uh, well, yes.
4: Gee, is that for us, too? Why, oh, of course, Spike. Mr. Cranston
9: got that for you as a surprise.
7: Margot, hear ye, hear ye. It's about time for all three of you, and that means you too, Mr. Grover, to sit down and open some packages. We've got to go. You ready, Margot? Uh,
4: where's Louie? He went outside.
7: Merry Christmas to you all, and to you all, good night. Merry good night. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Well, Margot. earlier tonight, we disagreed on our interpretation of charity. <laughs> Silly, wasn't it?
6: I know what you mean, Lamar.
7: There should never be a thing called charity. There should never have been the necessity to create the word. In this short span we call our lives, if each man would only realize that every other man has dreams and hopes, this world wouldn't be a topsy-turvy place. Then peace on earth would be a fact. Goodwill would be for every man. Ah! <laughs> is that you, Louis?
3: Oh, me? Oh, yeah, yeah, Mr. Cranston. Have you got a cold? Uh-uh, a box of books. Box of books? But you brought that inside. Yeah, yeah, but this is another one. Another one? Yeah, another one. It's for you, Miss Lane. You mean it's another puppy? Yeah, it's my own idea. You see, when I went by the pet shop, and, and the other pup's brother was in the window, so I went in and I pet him on the head. You know what he done, Mr. Cranston? No. He bit my finger... Oh, he's a card. So, so I had to go and get him for Miss Lane, and I charged him to you. I did.
4: Aunt. Yes, Margot. I'd like to say something.
6: Certainly. What do you want to say?
4: Merry Christmas to everybody.
6: Thank you, Margot and Lamont. Today's program is based on a story copyrighted by The Shadow Magazine. The characters, names, places, and plot are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. The Shadow Magazine is on sale at your local newsstand.
7: The weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime
8: does not pay. The Shadow knows.